0: This is, um, today, starting today, is traditionally the greatest week in sports. The NHL and the NBA have their playoffs basically set. Baseball has started, bringing energy to a tremendous amount of people who love baseball. Tonight, Monday night, this is the final game in the NCAAs. And then on Thursday, the Masters starts. And it's, in effect, the beginning of spring all around the country. It's the single greatest week in sports, and we have none of it. (laughs)
1: We have absolutely none of it. They know what's coming. They, they already have got a sense from looking around this country, looking around the world, at how many patients are likely to become infected, and out of those patients, how many are likely to, to need a, to, a breathing machine, a ventilator. So, you know, th- these are, these are uh, it's a tough time.
2: That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man! I'm 40! Pearl Jam have postponed the spring leg of their upcoming North American tour. The veteran alt-rock outfit made the announcement on social media Monday night. Why do we even celebrate birthdays? You haven't done or achieved anything that's worth celebrating. If anything, it's the anniversary of your mother's achievement. It's an almost arbitrary day. Okay, well, you might say, so what if it's just an arbitrary day? There's no better day for your family and friends to celebrate you, and for you to be happy. Well, that seems weird. Did you think I was planning on being sad all day if it wasn't for the fact that it was my birthday? And if I did want to be sad for whatever reason, then you wishing me to be happy is a dick move. Hey! Shut up. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not
1: a, I'm not a kid. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air.
0: I'm so so happy I could die.
1: Uh, we're all trying to not die, right?
0: I'm so happy I could die right
1: now. So happy. I'm
0: so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so
1: happy. And just, just kill me out. now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposed for profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. I'm so How are you? Are I am good enough recording on the 7th of April for downloadable consumption on the 8th of April and a breaking news situation as I go to record. It is around, uh, well, it's 10 o'clock now. The news came down in the last 10 minutes or so. We have lost John Prine to the Corona virus and uh, that sucks. I'm not going to pretend like I'm this huge, you know, prime f- fan that I, you know, celebrate a large amount of his catalog or anything along those lines. I'm not I'm not going to do that, but I am going to at least make sure and and respectfully say I understand how important the man was and I've seen him before. It was it was at a Bonroo I don't remember it that well, and I, I will, you know, I will regret for the rest of my life that I didn't sit down in an intimate setting and watch a John Prine show because those those opportunities were there. I mean, they were ample. He's been recording and touring and playing for decades and decades, and uh, so yeah, bummer news. Hey, wow! Just what I needed—some more crappy news in what is absolutely, definitely, positively turning into hashtag the worst year ever. This is supposed to be hashtag my month and it's not working out for me and I'm not trying to be selfish here and make anything about me. It's about all of us. It's totally sucks. Uh, My birthday is on Friday the 10th. I'll be 40 years old. And just like when I talk about generational conversation, I always say it's not about math, right? It's not about a number. It's not about carrying the one. It's about a mindset. It's about uh, the way you conduct yourself and the uh, the situational life that you put yourself in. And you can be 33 or 47. It doesn't matter. You can still approach your life the same way and enjoy it with more wisdom. And the more years that go by, the more wisdom, well, in theory anyway, we all collect, and that makes for a more fulfilling life to me. It is still difficult, though. <laughs> it is still difficult to just ignore the fact that it's the big 4-0, right? I mean, it's basically midway. It's halfway through life. I mean, many of us will live past 80, and many of us won't. John Prine, 73 years old. Again, the coronavirus is just a flu. He could have died from any flu that he got at that age because of the vulnerability of, uh, of being elderly. So I don't know if I'm going to make it to 80, but the chances are okay that I will. I'm halfway home. I'm halfway there. And it's difficult to ignore, and it's especially difficult to ignore when there's chaotic pandemic and panic all around me. And this is usually the time of year that brings me out of any dumps that I'm in, any slums that I'm feeling in, and it's not happening this year. But I... We'll be celebrating my birthday the best I can on Friday, April 10th. And let's take a look here real quick. So hopefully you've had a chance to check out the new podcast. Uh, There's only one episode so far. It was at the quarantine show with Strung Like a Horse. Made a video to its excellent work done by all. And um, I'm really proud of that first episode. But because of the situation we're in, I'm not sure how often there's going to be another show. Because that's a performance-based conversational episode guest driven podcast it is the project 423 on all social media and the uh, the website is theproject423.com why did i use that name primarily because i was able to secure it on every social media and the domain name is it the best name ever of course it's not but it's what i came up with and that's what i'm doing and uh, the first show was great i hope to have some people on the phone maybe this weekend ryan or some other types that i've seen that has got some new music out i'm just not sure about that one but spotify Google Play and iTunes are your best bet to find that, or theproject423.com. All right, so the open of the show, I just got to say this, I don't, well, I'm, I might gloat a little bit when I feel like I do good work, but I try not to do it often. That open of this show is the best open I've ever made. I love it, <laughs> love, love, love uh, putting that together. It just kind of came to me as I was piecing it together over the weekend, and I think it's a uh, just really a perfect representation of where my mind's at right now. And, you know, day in, day out, what I'm feeling. And so uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was a little funny, too, towards the end. All right. Oh, and not to mention with all the stuff in the front end, that's Tony are talking about the best week of sports. That's not hyperbole. That's real. This is one of the best weeks of sports ever. And, you know, some people might be like, well, what about football, man? Everybody loves football. Eh, football stands on its own over there. This is a concoction. This is a cocktail. Of sporting events that all happen at a time when people generally speaking are in ready for ready for something exciting right ready for a change of season ready for the renewal of a new year and whether you like sports or not that's what most of us are anticipating at this time and it's not there and it doesn't look like it's going to be Anytime soon. So, over the weekend, I uh, worked around the house a bunch, got a bunch of stuff uh, trashed and out of here with some help from some family friends, which was nice. Got the garage slash studio reorganized and cleaned up. It's pristine and comfy and cozy and all those kinds of adjectives. So, happy about that. Let's see, not much TV this past weekend. I did all the TV last weekend all the uh, programming through the various streaming services and cable and all i did was finish up on ozark season 3 holy bleep if you guys haven't watched this show you need to you need to it's so good you have to sus- suspend some reality to keep it sane in your in your mind but it it's so unguessable and so unpredictable that the suspension of reality is easier for me to do because I am kind of the reality police. But it is. Oh, my God. I mean, I, every season seemed to get better and better. And the entire season three, no spoilers here, but the entire season three felt like every episode was the, the, the season finale. Like, all 10 eps felt like this could be the season finale. That's how unpredictable it was and uh, man I I, lo- I love binging in one sense and I hate it in another what it'll be a year I guess it'll be spring of next year before I get to watch that show again and hell I was talking about this with somebody the other day might have been Brittany I can't remember about well surely there's not filming going on right now what, How how's that going to hit us later in the year and into next year there's not TV filming there's not TV movie productions going right now right I mean I don't guess so so I don't know. Maybe you know, it might, it might be a year and a half, two years where I get to watch Ozark again. I saw this blurb the other day: Domestic violence is up 24% in Chattanooga in the last month and a half. You think people are a little uh, irritated with uh, their surroundings at home? You think we have uh, some um, some dangerous people in our community that, when they can't leave, they are domestically uh, disturbing? Well, the number shows that uh, that is definitely the case. I was watching Samantha B. Well, let me rephrase that. I had TBS on all night long, and Samantha B's crappy show came on and just so happened to catch a fantastic Pearl Jam joke that I uh, captured that I will play for you here in just a little while. And here in the opening segment, I'm going to talk about everybody's so damn bored. Just look at Facebook, and you can see the boredom that is just rampant out there. But I don't bore easily. And uh, I'll expand on that for the second half of this segment. Coming up in the final segment of the show, are birthdays even cool at all? Found some British guy and some commentary did on YouTube. I don't even know his name or where to link you back to it to attribute it because it doesn't matter. It's just some throwaway stuff. Have fun with that. And then I'm going to look back at the year 1980. Forty years ago, our landscape, the environment, societal, and cultural realities we're very different than they are right now. I will look back at the year 1980. And in the second segment of the show, obviously we are cruising towards a long-winded recession potentially, but we should have already known that because recessions have a, a level of repetitiveness to it regardless of who the president is or who's in power anywhere in the entire world. And in that second segment, I will give you the Pearl Jam joke from Samantha B. and look back at the recessions post-World War too. All right. So there we go. We're lined up. We're ready to fire. Let's get on into the first segment of the show. So I look around and I see how primarily through Facebook and I guess Instagram too, but Facebook the most, how bored everybody is and asking questions and trying to do anything that gets people engaged. And I get all that and I understand why people are doing it. I'm just not entertained by that kind of interaction. So I don't get it in the sense that it doesn't do anything for me, but I do get it why other people do it. And one of the things I've been seeing so much are these lists, right? Like list 10 cars and then put in one that's a lie and see if your friends can choose or bands. uh, 10 things that I like that everybody else or that I hate that everybody else seems to like. Um, What's another one? Oh, 10 bands or performers that I don't get the hype that I don't like, those kinds of things. Well, I'm not going to do that crap on Facebook, but I'll do it on the podcast. So I'll get to a couple of those lists here in just a minute. But I guess boredom is is kind of foreign to me. I I don't get bored easily. Part of that is I am I'm happy doing nothing. Doing nothing doesn't bother me. Um, I guess you can kind of use the the office space line of you know talking about um, what would you do if you had a million dollars and uh, Peter's talking to, I think it's Lawrence is his name is saying, what would you do with a million dollars? Uh, two chicks at the same time. And you know, that funny part or whatever. And then he goes, what would you do? He's like, I would do nothing. And he says, well, all right, man, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing. Look at my cousin. He's broken. Don't do shit. Um, I get it though. Doing nothing sometimes is totally cool with me. Also though, one of my favorite pastimes is radio and podcast work and that work is Never ends. That is a twenty-four-seven uh, project for for my for my brain, and I can always just say, "Okay, well, nothing to do. I'll go in the garage and start working on stuff. I'll go in the garage and start finding some things to edit and move around and change around and come up with some ideas." You know, kind of the same idea that somebody would go to the garage and cut up some wood and try to build a little. Box or something, you know, or some kind of little project. Same kind of concept. It's just a totally different uh, overall medium, if you will. But I'm also not easily entertained. You got to work pretty hard from a television show, music, book, any kind of entertainment. I'm not gonna just be like, ooh, for Tiger Show. What is it, Tiger uh, King, Tiger, whatever the hell it is. Like, I mean, you got to really, you got to grab me, and you got to do something good, and it's got to be quality. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a dullard that is just you know easily entertained by sex, drugs, and rock and roll and blood and guts. You know I've talked about that in the past many times. i some somebody just popped into my head uh, earlier today when I was putting this together. I wrote it down here on my uh, show sheet to say um, the uh, Green Jello. Remember that band from the 90s? Very likely don't. They ended up getting sued, so then they had to change in, change their name to Green Jelly, and they had the uh, the Three Little Pigs video. And at the end, it says, the moral of the story is, I'm going to play it right here. I just pulled it up. That uh, idiots are easily entertained by a stupid puppet show. Like, hey, look at this. Look at this stupid thing. It was a claymation video. And uh, at that time, that was a brand-new technology tool. It was lo- using uh, claymation a lot. And uh, it was such a cool video being, you know, 14, 15 years old. I think it was still a cool video as an adult, but I'll play it real quick. Oh, there it is. This is the end of the video. The
2: moral of the story is that bands with no talent can easily amuse idiots with a
1: stupid puppet show. And the moral of the story is that bands with no talent can easily entertain idiots with a stupid puppet show. I was obviously too young to understand that they were basically calling me stupid, but uh, they are not wrong. So I, I when I'm sitting down to be entertained by a television show or anything along those lines, a rock concert, a, uh, a book, whatever it might be. I'm not going to pretend like I read a bunch of books, but the point is it's got to be good. And also, too, my time warp perception is just a clock that spins. The hand spins. I never have a day where I look up and I'm like, oh, my God, this day is taking forever. Every day I race the clock. No matter what it is I'm doing, every 24 hours evaporates into nothing. I don't have enough time in the day to get bored. Like, I don't, there's no time left. I would really actually enjoy some time left to be bored. I don't have any time left every day. It's a race to the clock, and that's good and bad. But so I saw the list on Facebook. I'm going to try to do these quick here. I don't want to make this first so long. And instead of posting myself, I figured, screw it, I'll do it on the podcast. So the first one was list 10 cars that you've owned and then put one in that's fake and have your friends decide which one you didn't actually own. My first thought is 10 cars. Holy hell, how many people have 10 cars in their life? I mean, I'm 40 years old, but 10 cars? I can only get to six. I and mean, I, fa- I don't even have a fake one in here. I'll just tell you what they are. A 76 Chevy Nova was the first car I drove at 16 years old. It looked like a muscle car. It wasn't, but it looked like it, it was just a six-cylinder. A 1988 Chevy S10, a 1991 Dodge Dakota, really liked that truck. A 2001 Toyota Echo, which I got brand new. It's still sitting in my driveway right now and still runs. Thank you very much. A 1976 Volkswagen Westphalia, one of my favorite things I've ever owned that I had to sell about 10 years ago because it was costing me too much money for upkeep. And then the car I'm driving currently now that I bought within the family, a 2011 Hyundai Sonata. I only got to six, so there's no reason to do a 10-car list. This one is 10 bands that you've seen lie, but throw in one that is a lie and let your friends figure out which one it is. So I'll run it down here. Pearl Jam, Widespread Panic, The Grateful Dead, Foo Fighters, George Thorogood, Everclear, Vanilla Ice, John Denver, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Jimmy Buffett. All right, so that's my list of 10. One of those is not real. So I'll give you a second to think about it. All right, there you go. So I'll start from the bottom and go up. Jimmy Buffett saw him with the coral reefers at Bonnaroo in 2009. There was a rumor he was going to be there. I took the bait and I saw it. I would never go to a traditional Jimmy Buffett show in my to save my damn life at this point in my life. Billy Ray Cyrus I saw at the Volunteer Jam in 1980 or excuse me 1998 or 1997 or nine somewhere in there uh, with uh, Charlie Daniels Band. Billy Ray Cyrus was part of the Volunteer Jam. John Denver, I saw at the UTC McKenzie Arena with my mom and dad, probably 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there. I remember being so excited to get to see a concert with my mom and dad and was bored to freaking tears because all I knew was uh, what, not in my mind, Chick Carolina, that's James Taylor. It was, uh, what the hell was it? I had to stop the damn podcast to to remember it was going to drive me crazy. Country Road. Anyway, bored the hell out of me. Vanilla Ice, a friend of a friend's you know, mom, and took a couple of us kid to see, kids to see kids see him at UTC Arena. Barely remember it. Everclear and George Thorogood, I saw the same weekend, I think they call it River Stages in Nashville in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was basically a, uh, a Riverbend-style festival. It totally sucked and went under shortly uh, after uh, the turn of the century. And these days, I hate Everclear and George Thorogood. So I thought if somebody were to guess, man, yeah, he probably hasn't seen George Thorogood. Foo Fighters, of course, I've seen Foo Fighters. Pearl Jam, of course, I've seen Pearl Jam. Widespread Panic, of course, I've seen them about 29, 32, 35, however many times. The band I have not seen, that was a trick question a little bit, The Grateful Dead. I never saw Jerry Garcia and The Grateful Dead. I've seen several incarnations of The Dead and The Dead and Company and those kinds of outfits, but never the grateful dead quickly two more here a list 10 things I don't like that everybody else seems to first of all dogs I just can't stand a damn mutt I can't stand a damn dog they drive me crazy if you do find that perfect one that just chills and just hangs out well I'm totally cool with that and in theory you know I like dogs it's just the problem is theory and reality are two different things normally they're just extensions of their absolute asshole uh, owners I cannot stand movies. I'm done with movies. I'm not going to sit around for two, two and a half hours watching some story that can barely even be wrapped up in that amount of time. If it's that good, if it needs to have two to three hours to tell the story, then it needs 10 hours and it needs to be 10 episodes. And it needs to be a TV show. I'm not wasting two hours of my time watching a movie. Uh, the Star Wars series all the way around. Never got it. Never will. Not much more to say about that iPhones and really, I, anything. And the biggest thing is, it's not because I'm just being an asshole about it. it's I just cannot get on board with this idea that individuality is something that people actually care about, except for when it comes to your phones. And the iPhone people want everybody to have the same damn phone. And they think that that's the way it, it almost should be mandated. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I've never talked to an Android user and said, you know what, all these goddamn iPhone users screwing everything up. We need everybody on Android. They don't care. <laughs> they just want a phone that works. And now my phone does all the same crap yours does. I promise you, it does. And I'm. You, do you want us all to drive the same car? Everybody should drive a Toyota Corolla. No, stop it. I'm not getting, getting involved with that madness. Uh, speaking of driving cars, overall cars. I don't understand the obsession with the automobile. I just don't. I need something reliable that's not going to cost me crazy amounts of money and not drink gasoline and get me from point A to point B. I don't understand the status symbol nature that is a car. I don't care what you drive, and you sure as hell shouldn't care what I drive. Job position titles I've never cared about. I have never for one second thought, oh, my God, I I need a business card that says this on it. Or, oh, damn it, I don't have this title. I get when it comes with a salary increase. I get that portion of it. But so many times in corporate America, getting a job title doesn't get you really a salary increase at all. It just gives you more responsibility. And I'm just always been a guy who says, "Hey, pay me what you're going to pay me, and I'll do the job you want. And I'll go home. And I'll be done with it. Like, I don't. I don't need a parking space with my damn name on it." Uh, let's see this. I won't go in too far. I'm sure I've done it on here before discussing what I'm eating and drinking. It seems like everybody loves it. Oh, man, what you eating on over there? It sure does smell good. What'd you eat for dinner last night? What you doing for lunch tomorrow? Shut up. Leave me alone. I'd rather you ask me how much money I make in a year than to ask me what my lunch is. Seriously, they're just as rude A questions. They really are. They're both rude as hell. Get the hell out of my face. Um, Craft beer, I'm done with. Done, done, done. I'm done pretending. I'm done trying to fit in. The stuff sucks. I don't like it. It doesn't mix with my palate anymore. I'm done with it. Light beer, vodka, gin, uh, whiskey at times, and uh, water. Bubbly, you know, sparkling water. That's it. I don't want any of your damn IPAs, your juicy this, and none of that crap. Get it out of here. I was having trouble filling out the entire list. So I put traditional southern barbecue. Now I'm talking about, you know, the the sugary, pasty sauces and just the pulled pork, or even if it's chicken or whatever it is, with a baked potato and and some and some beans, right? It tastes and maybe some potato salad. It tastes the damn same no matter where you go. In in this area of the country, anyway. Now I've had barbecue and barbecue sauces that is to die for, vinegar based sauces and like sugars. Sugars, great, great sauces there. But that's just not normally what you run into. Choo-choo's here and Sweeney's over there and whatever the smokehouse on South Broad is. It's all the same damn food. And the final one is all things Disney. Never got it. Never understood it. Never cared about it. Disney World looks like one of the most just awful, awful places to spend any amount of time. You would have to drag me there in handcuffs or a straight jacket or whatever that just never made any sense to me and quickly just to wrap this up real quick 10 bands i dislike or do not get the hype and i only made it to about five or six bruce springsteen i can't stand the man's music uh rush never liked it prince i get why it's it sounds good i just never understood why he was held in such high regard talking heads too weird for me and i like weird not a fan of it Katy Perry, the little I've seen of her, I've never been a big fan. A late addition I put in here was The Police and All Things Sting. And there are a bunch more I could have got to that, but I ran out of time. I am late on this segment. I'm going to get out now. Coming up next, we'll look at recessions post-World War II, and I'll get you that Pearl Jam joke. This is the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. I'll be right back. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh,
2: darling,
0: what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. Some states are now using COVID-19 as an excuse to restrict access to abortion because, of course, they are. Well, Texas tonight moving to ban most abortions due to the coronavirus pandemic. Tonight, we have learned that Tennessee and Mississippi are among the states that will consider abortions non-essential. The Ohio Attorney General is ordering a Cleveland Women's Clinic to stop performing elective surgical abortions. Planned Parenthood and the ACLU are suing Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds.
1: Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stiff says this executive order includes any type of abortion service
2: that's not an emergency. Alabama's Attorney General says abortion clinics are not exempt from the new state health order and are required to shut down.
1: Love this song from Pearl Jam. It's their first single. Expecting perfection leaves a lot to ignore when the past is the present and the future is no more. When every tomorrow tomorrow is the same as before. before. Welcome back into the show. I'm not going to make this about what Samantha B was doing on the front end of this uh, rejoin. It just plays into the Pearl Jam joke good. And the overall point I'm trying to make with this segment is, first of all, recessions happen so frequently in, uh, in America, in our history, in world history. But... More specifically, American history in post World War II, and it's we're we're about to have a new normal. We're about to have a new world of business, of the way we uh, interact with people, the way we talk to people, the way we touch people. This is this is a big thing that's happening here. In the end of the day, this is a damn flu, right? I'm still not coming off of that. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know. I'm not gonna apologize for saying. This is just the flu. It's just a little different and a little more dangerous. And I respect that and I understand that. But this is this is a kind of a new world order on our way when it comes to business and uh, just regular everyday life. But first, before I do anything, she continues to go on about uh, the abortions being uh, non-essential procedures and being shut down from state to state. And she uses the perfect joke to explain why this matters to uh, random middle-aged white guys.
0: Some of these restrictions are being challenged, but that can't happen quickly enough. Before a judge blocked its ban, Texas abruptly canceled around 150 abortions, with some women traveling hundreds of miles to clinics, only to be turned away. Now, if you're, say, a dude and you can't quite empathize, let me put this in terms you might understand. Um, imagine driving hours to see your favorite band, which, if you're a middle-aged white guy, I assume is Pearl Jam. It's the only chance you'll ever have to see Pearl Jam play live. and if you don't get to see Pearl Jam play live now, your life will never be the same. But then when you finally get to the concert, Pearl Jam refuses to go on. You're devastated. And then Eddie Vetter forces you to have a f***ing baby. <laughs> You'd be like, not cool, Eddie Vetter.
1: Uh, I love that. Uh, I just so happen to have uh, TBS just rolling through Hulu Live. It's such a bitch to turn the channel. Really, you gotta bounce around and you know grab your phone or whatever. And there's nothing good on TV half the time anyway, so it was just still on, and I happened to uh, stumble on that. So my main point is is that anybody who says don't politicize this situation is a damn liar, all right? And they politicize it themselves, and they just want you to not do it. They just they want to do it. They just don't want you to do it. Everybody is going to politicize this. People who are anti-abortion are going to do whatever it takes to say this is not an essential a procedure and is now not uh, allowed, not because of a pandemic, because that's just what their strong beliefs are. And this is just going to get worse and worse throughout the year. And this is what we do. This is what this country does. We politicize everything. So anybody who's preaching, we need to stop politicizing this probably does it even worse themselves and would make a terrible, terrible campaign manager. So back to the point of the, of the segment, That industry is going to start changing how they handle everything now. There's a lot of realities that some people like me and potentially you and certainly people 10 years younger than me have been making for a long time. We don't have to just continue conducting business the way that we do just because that's how we have always done it. And we are realizing now that many people in many industries – don't have to come into the damn office. There's no reason to have a, all these bells and whistles in a, inside of a brick and mortar building to do business. You know, punching clocks. How many hours did you work, son? It doesn't matter how many hours I worked. Is it did the, is the job done? Are you satisfied with the work that was completed? Then stop asking me how many hours I work. And many industries are going to realize that there is so much fat that they don't need to be funding they don't need to be it doesn't need to be on their payroll and i i, I don't know i'm not saying that that's good or bad i'm just saying that's the reality of the case i got let go from the radio station because that was an opportunity for them to shed a bunch of payroll that's what that was that's what that was i didn't cost them anything if i wasn't working hourly they just looked at some numbers on a page and said oh wait 13 12 13 14 thousand yeah yeah we'll cut that out and that is happening all over the country and in all industries a lot of people who are let go are going to be brought back in certain industries, but many, many, many of them are not. Uh, Intercom, one of the uh, major media companies, radio station uh, conglomerates anyway, has a significant number of layoffs over the course of the last week or so since here locally that uh, Bayhackle did, which is a much smaller company. Intercom here locally owns US 101. Uh, what else is over there? KISS. 1037 whatever the hell that is rock 105 those those uh properties it says uh, a memo distributed this morning meaning last week intercoms 401k company match had also been suspended and that quarterly uh, quarter 1 and quarter 2 bonuses have been eliminated temporary salary reductions of 10 to 20% for anyone earning a salary in excess of $50,000 in in the media world and small market media that's crazy amounts of money In real life America, that ain't much money at all. Uh, The CEO will get a 30% reduction in salary. He goes on to say we hope to restore regular salaries, bonus eligibility, and our 401k match at the start of the third quarter. Not a chance that is going to happen. So we are on, well, we're here. It's a recession, and we haven't had one of these in a long time. Now, all the MAGA types that, that act like Trump came in and saved their life, uh, and and fix the economy and made the economy boom are uh, numb nuts and have not paid attention. Probably haven't put any money into savings probably their whole life, but certainly not since 2010 when the economy took off because of the Reinvestment Act, the 2009 Reinvestment Act signed by President Barack Obama. And all he did it wasn't he wasn't any more special than Trump is right now. Borrowed a bunch of money and gave it to everybody, you know, and that boomed the economy. And we've been riding high ever since. How do I know? I started investing in 2010 and I saw incredible returns until, uh, I don't know, three and a half weeks ago. So this isn't about a president or about uh, anything other than this is how our economy works. What is a recession? A recession historically has been co- defined by two consecutive quarters of decline in the the GDP, another way of putting it, is a significant decline in economic activity spread ac- across the economy. In 2007, an economist at the Federal Reserve Board, Jeremy, and whatever his name is, said that the gross domestic income may be a more accurate way in predicting and defining a recession. The joke with from Jeff Styles for years is, we are in a recession if my friend loses his job. We are in a depression if I lose my job. So really all you just got to do is look at the charts over the course of the last, you know, going on 100 years, but a little less than that. We'll say post-World War II, there was a recession every decade. So if we're just using the history of the country, we are far overdue. For a downturn in the economy in the post-war there was a recession because a bunch of soldiers came back from the war and there wasn't enough jobs for everybody for the next five years that kind of corrected itself same thing happened with the Korean War in 1953 into the middle of 1954 five years after the last recession. Two years later, the Eisenhower recession had a GDP decline of 3.3%, uh, percent, lasted for about one year. A couple of years after that, what they called the rolling adjustment recession, this recession was also known as the rolling adjustment for many major U.S. industries, including the automotive industry. Americans shifted to buying compact and often foreign-made cars. This was this was a market correction of years of producing for a, uh, a, a war in progress when That wasn't happening anymore, and that corrected itself over about 10 months. And then for the rest of the decade of the 1960s, for the next eight years, there was lots of economic progress. In 1970, eight years later, the Nixon recession lasted about a year. Three years after that, the oil crisis recession in the 70s were overall kind of a mess. In 1973, a 3.6% decline in GDP. It lasted for 16 months. This long recession was brought on by the quadrupling of oil prices and high government spending on the Vietnam War. Unemployment finally reached 9% in May of 75, and really the rest of the decade stayed pretty crummy. That's why Jimmy Carter had no chance to be reelected in 1980. Though after his administration was replaced by Reagan, it was the energy, the Iran energy crisis recession from 1981 to 1982. Now, for the next 8, 9, 10 years... This is where the boom of financing our lives was created. This is where this started. Credit card companies exploded. And the quote-unquote trickle-down trickle down economics myth, the falsehood that is that economic plan, seemed like it was working because everybody was borrowing all the money in the world that they wanted to. And that is what created the next several decades of economic uh, meltdowns later on down the line. The Gulf War recession in 1990, again, that was eight years later after the last recession. So on average, you're looking at five to eight years between downturns. That was when Iraq invaded uh, Kuwait, of course, a spike in oil prices in 1990, and manufacturing started moving offshore because of NAFTA. United Airlines had to be uh, bought out. Stock market crashed because of that. It was a mess in 1990. That's why George H.W. did not win that uh, election and the Two and a half uh, terms of Republican control, control, excuse me, went to Bill Clinton. And then it was put on wraps on this. This is the turn of the century recession, the collapse of the dot com bubble, the 9-11 attacks and a series of accounting scandals in major U.S. corporations. Uh, Bernie Madoff comes to mind. Enron back in those days, I believe, was about that time frame. And uh, overall, we got out of that one quicker than one might have expected. And then, of course, that leads up to the 2007-8 financial crisis, which was a bigger deal than uh, most people who weren't of certain ages understood at the time. I have 10 pages of just the 2007-8 financial crisis in review. I'm going to do an entire segment on sometime in the near future. The point being is, is, of course, we're due for a recession, whether it's a virus, whether it's oil prices, whether it's a war, whether it's embargoes, whether it's NAFTAs, trade agreements, it, it's a reoccurring thing in the economic history of this country and of this world, and it always will be. What do we do going forward? How do we correct this? What is the new normal after we're you know, not quarantined anymore? How many people are going to stay unemployed because they're not hired back? How many companies are going to realize that they can make even more money with less employees? This is a major turning point. Nothing's going to be the same going forward. I don't know what that means exactly, but this is a complete shift in how business in America is run from the restaurants to the big banks to the essential services to the non-essential services. But being shocked that a, uh, a recession is here means that people aren't paying attention to the history of the country and certainly not to the economic history of the country. It's my birthday and I'm going to question whether birthdays are worth even celebrating or caring about whatsoever and we will look back at the year 1980. That is coming up next. Stone on Air will be right back. This cool. Stoneonair.com
0: It's my birthday bitches.
1: Hello Facebook friends. Today's my birthday. I really appreciate all of the heartfelt messages that you put on my wall. They really get me right here.
2: So why are you doing this to me? You just wished me a happy birthday, you liar! And birthday wishes have become pretty apathetic in the modern age. Tens or maybe even hundreds of people will wish you a happy birthday, because Facebook told them to. That's not very heartfelt. Is that supposed to make me feel loved? Try this. Remove your birthday from Facebook, and see how many people wish you happy birthday then. Those are the ones that might actually have some meaning.
1: 10th 1980, 40 years ago. Happy, happy Hashtag birthday worst birthday ever. <laughs> me, happy birthday to me, and, to you. and I've had some incredible birthdays because it falls at my favorite time of the year. Now, part of that is, is because of the birthday, but right? a Braves game, at a concert, springtime, WrestleMania. Fun, fun, fun. Winter in the rearview mirror. The NCAA Championship Basketball Championship. The Masters. Ugh, you know how many Sundays it's been either on my birthday or within a day or two, and I'm watching golf all day and loving it? Ugh. Damn it. <laughs> so I figured we'd go and look at the year 1980, play a few cuts of some silliness, and then get the hell out of here. For one podcast, all right. Nineteen eighty was an interesting year. Washington State Mount Saint Helens, Mount Saint Helens, excuse me, erupts, killing more than fifty people. The Empire Strikes Back. Speaking of Star Wars, was the second movie in what would become the decades-long Star Wars franchise. It premiered on uh, in May of nineteen eighty. Pac Man video game is released in Japan early nineteen eighty, followed up by a U.S. Release in October. The scummy Philadelphia Phillies defeated the Royals in the World Series in six games. The equally scummy Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship that year, the last time that program has won a national championship. And a record, think about this, 350 million people worldwide (laughs) watched Dallas the TV show Dallas to find out who shot JR. I remember being a kid and all the talk of, I guess it was in syndication, I guess, at that point then. Because if that's when they found out when the show ended, it was in 1980. 350 million people watched that stupid ass show Dallas. Uh, April 10th was on a Thursday In 1980, in case you cared, I'm sure you absolutely did not. I like some of these numbers here. Looking at just um, overall economic, mostly economic numbers from that year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed in 1980 at 963. It just dropped like 10, 12, 15,000 points in the last month or so. And it's still in the neighborhood of 21,000. Or twenty something like that. It was knocking on the door of thirty thousand. I don't even know what the hell that means. It's just that gap of numbers. Obviously, anybody who you know has a brain that functions at all can understand the uh, the massive scale there. Interest rates from the Federal Reserve ended nineteen eighty at twenty one and a half percent. Twenty one and a half percent. What is it now? Three and an eighth. I know my loan for the house in 2011 is at three and three quarters, 21 and percent. Holy wow. Uh, the average cost of a new house in 1980 was 68.7 thousand median price of an existing home, 62 average income per year, 19 and a dollars average monthly rent in 1980 was three hundred dollars. A cost of a gallon of gas was a buck nineteen. I saw the other day were about a buck eighty one, 81, something like that. Average cost of a new car was seventy two hundred dollars. Ugh! Wow. Ground beef around a buck thirty nine a pound. Pontiac Firebird cost fifty nine hundred dollars. A Magnavox VHS recorder in nineteen eighty would cost you seven dollars, A big old hunky thing you put on your shoulder where you can get grainy, crappy footage, 700 bucks, A VHS home movie camera, I don't know what that is exactly, $1,600. A Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head would cost you $4.77. And just one example of a property that is uh, in New York, Syracuse, a ranch home, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath, two-car garage, with a family room, cost $40,000. I bet you anything that's a $2.5 million property right about now. In 1980, the Rubik's Cube debuts. The toy had been created by Erno Rubik in the 1970s and was first patented as the Magic Cube in Hungary in 1975. And its introduction to the U.S. was in early 1980. By the following year, It was a huge success and caused a worldwide craze. Post-it notes were brand new in 1980. They were market tested in 1978 under the name Press & Peel and produced by the 3M Corporation in 1974. Of course, The Miracle on Ice was in February of 1980, Most people who care about sports at all know that that happened, but it really is a much more remarkable thing than a lot of people realize. That Soviet team had not lost a single Olympic hockey game since 1968. This was 1980. 12 years. They have not lost a game to anybody in the world. And I'm only going on memory on this. I heard somebody else talking about it the other week on sports radio that I think what I heard was that the Soviets and the U.S. kids played a, an exhibition game in somewhere in the neighborhood of a year before the Olympics and got beat like twelve to one or something like that, which you know in hockey is like losing eighty to nothing in football, and just the U.S. was not supposed to win that game and they did. And uh, another thing that is misconception on that a lot is that wasn't the gold medal, that was the semi round. The United States still had to go on to defeat Finland after that to eventually capture the gold. So, especially at a time when, you know, who's got a bigger dick contest that is the Cold War between the USSR and the United States? That was obviously a uh, very, very big deal. Uh, John Lennon is my favorite Beatle. I'm not a huge Beatles guy all the way around, but if I had to pick one that I like the most, it would be John Lennon. He was killed by Mark David Chapman in December of 1980. Of course, you already know that, but what you might not have known, or I didn't know, is that he was the age of forty years old at that time. He was my age now, then, and that means he would be eighty now. And you look at the longevity, especially people who can who can afford the highest level of of uh, health care and assistance. You know, Sir Paul looks great. He I don't know if he's eighty yet, but he's got to be close. You know, Phil Lesch. Is uh, eighty years old from the Grateful Dead, the the Who, Roger and Pete. I'm pretty sure if they're not eighty, they will be any time now. And uh, wow, John Lennon was forty years old in 1980, the start of the Iran-Iraq War. I don't have a lot on here right now, but I'm going on memory on a lot of this. That was in 1980. Saddam Hussein um, he invaded Western Iran, and I'm just memory bank. I believe Osama bin Laden had a lot of involvement as a young troop in a lot of that war, and that's where a lot of ideological warfare started to brew and started to turn into the terrorist world that we all became accustomed to here into the new century. I don't have enough of that in front of me right now to get into that right now, but I thought it was worth putting a highlight on. CNN launches its 24-hour news uh, service in, or television programming, I should say, in 1980. 80. Just a few more here and then uh, screwing around a little bit on the way out. The census population in 80 was 226 million, so about 100 million more now than 40 years ago. The MGM Grand Hotel was destroyed in a fire in Los Angeles. The Olympic Games, I was just talking about what the, the hockey team was hosted in Lake Placid in New York State. I knew that, but I forgot And this little blurb I I thought was interesting, especially after all the World War II stuff I've been watching. Japanese cars. Japan becomes the world's largest auto-producing country. Just think about how incredibly focused and determined people they are in Japan. 35 years prior to that, they had two atomic bombs dropped on them by us. And now in 1980, they're the highest-producing auto-manufacturer In the world. That is incredible. Uh, A couple more. Star Wars, popular films in 80s. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Superman 2, Raging Bull, and Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. And in technology, first available domestic camcorders were available in Japan. First available fax machines were in Japan. And Digital Equipment Corporation, Intel, and Xerox introduced the DIX standard for Ethernet. I don't know what any of that means, but I have a feeling that has a lot to do with how our internet rolls 40 years later. So is having a birthday really all that important? Why do we even celebrate birthdays? I found this on YouTube. Don't know who it is. Don't care at this point. Going to do this quickly and get out. Right.
2: So why do we celebrate birthdays? Are we celebrating that we survived another year? It seems a bit morbid to celebrate not dying. We even stop celebrating people's birthdays after they die. You haven't done or achieved anything that's worth celebrating. If anything, it's the anniversary of your mother's achievement. It's an almost arbitrary day. You're celebrating the fact that the number of times the Earth has orbited the sun since you were born is roughly an integer. Right, okay, so why is that important? All right, so what is integer? I had to look it up. I'm not
1: ashamed to say I don't know what something is. It's a whole number, not a fraction. That's what an
2: integer is. But when you're young, it's great getting presents and stuff, right? When you're young, birthdays are great. You get a lot of attention, presents, a party, cake. You feel a bit older and you've probably grown a lot since a year ago. But after a certain age, there aren't really any milestones. In the UK, at 18, you're legally an adult. You can drink and get a mortgage and all that nonsense. 21 is also considered a bit of a milestone, but I can't really think why. Probably just inherited from the US. After that, there's nothing for a while. You reach your 24th birthday and you feel no different from the day before. And why would you? It's only a day.
1: And so this is my favorite one here. Uh, Excuse to have a party. Having your birthday is just an excuse to have a party.
2: Well, it's just a good excuse for a party. Excuse? Why do you need an excuse to have a party or go out? You might be judging me for being grumpy about birthdays, but you're the one that needs an excuse to enjoy yourself. (laughs) On my birthday, I'll just carry on living my life. If I feel like going out, then I'll go out. Forcing myself to go out and get drunk regardless of what I actually want to do would be stupid. If I want to stay at home and cook or play video games, then I'll do that. And if I feel like going to the pub or going out to eat, then I'll do that. I don't need you to tell me what I want to do. (laughs) I've always thought it's uh a stupid sentence to start off when you say well
1: you know it's just an excuse to to drink you know this is an excuse to that this is an excuse to have fun why do you need an excuse why why go have fun go do whatever you want to do have fun and don't harm anybody and you're going to be fine in my book you don't need an excuse of course gifts come along with birthdays hopefully only when kids are children i'm so sick of adults Having to do gift giving outside of just like your significant other that you want to help make feel good on that day. You know, my, my brother ain't getting a birthday present, right? He might get a text if he's lucky, a phone call if, he's, if I'm having a, a really good day to
2: remember. But gifts in general are just annoying. But maybe you're in it for the presents. When you're a kid, presents are incredible. You get excited and you get new toys. When you're an adult, it's mostly just disappointment. If someone manages to get you something you want and wouldn't buy for yourself, then that's perfect. But in my experience, one of the following happens. 1. They choose something that you want or like, and therefore have already bought for yourself and don't need any more; 2. You get something you specifically told someone to get you, which seems a bit pointless. There's no surprise or thought put in, they may as well have just given you the money. 3. You get something you don't want or need, and now you have to endure that awkward moment where you say, an alarm clock, thanks. Final one
1: is the stupid thing that is the singing of Happy Birthday to you,
2: the traditional song which I have always somewhat despised, especially when I was young. There's nothing worse than people singing Happy Birthday to you. It's the most bizarre thing ever. Everyone else gathers round and stares intently at you whilst performing this song at you. Why are you focusing on me? You're the ones that are performing. And for about 30 seconds, which is a long time, you have no idea what to do with yourself. It's the most awkward and uncomfortable thing.
1: I remember it might have been my 13th birthday, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. I used to go to Atlanta a lot with my dad and brothers and sometimes friends, usually for a Braves game or a uh, Atlanta Knights minor league hockey game or some combination of those kinds of things. And... Um, and we went to Underground Atlanta to the Hooters. I'm pretty sure there was a Hooters in Underground Atlanta. And he was like, I'm going to get them to sing Happy Birthday to you. You know, they still do it. They smack the damn little wooden plates together and make a big scene. And I was like, you you son of a bitch, you caught your ability, you better not. And he did. And I jumped up and I ran off into the middle of down, uh, Underground Atlanta. And um, that's about as far as I remember that. But I've always hated being sung happy birthday to you in a big you know setting that that focuses hey look at this like you know something at home is one thing but all right that's all i got i'm gonna play a little john prine on the way out the door here uh, just what a weird what a wild what a uh, damn seriously scary overall time that we're in, I, I'm not scared for myself. I'm scared for our economy. I'm scared for our well-being. I, I don't know that we're handling this right. I don't. We might be. We might not be. I, I don't. I just. I literally mean it. I don't know. And it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not say. Here's what I do. I'm the smartest guy in the room. You don't know. Bleat. Get out of here, idiot. So uh, that's where I'll leave you there. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you whenever yours is. Hopefully, it's later on the year where you get to celebrate it and enjoy yourself. Uh, the uh, new podcast, The Project 423. Check it out if you would please. Like and subscribe and uh, leave a comment or tell your friends. Uh, share. Any of those things would certainly help. And if you say, Brian, I don't feel like doing any of that spit, well, then fine. Don't. I won't be mad at you whatsoever. You all have a good one. Talk to you again soon. Bye.